Welcome to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William, featuring award-winning financial advisor and former host of the Sunday Money Show, News Talk 1010, Paul Baraka and his associate advisor, William Baraka. Creating and keeping wealth does not need to be complicated. Paul and William will cut through confusing and contradictory financial advice to give you the real facts to help you invest better and enjoy a worry-free retirement. The views and opinions expressed in this video may not necessarily reflect those of IPC Securities Corporation. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Hey, Paul, and hey to all our listeners and viewers on YouTube. This is episode 15, I think, today of Retirement Straight Talk. I'm William. Paul's with me as well. And today we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, actually, in personal finance, which is investor biases. Now, there's dozens and dozens of these, Paul, so we're not going to be able to get to all of them today. There's Uh, hundreds of them. Yeah, there's so many, but we're going to highlight five of them today, and we're all guilty of them. And the unfortunate thing is there's no way to completely get these out of your system. We're all going to fall guilty of these over and over again throughout our life. Every Um, one of us has all of these biases, and for the moment, we don't even know it. We don't even know it for the most part. They're with all of us. They're inherent kind of in all of our our brains and our, our human makeup. But being aware of them can help. I have a quote from Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's business partner. And Uh he says, the the whole trick in life is to get so that your own brain doesn't mislead you. So so I I really like that. Let's start, Paul. I think you got the first one you want to go over. Yeah. Well, just before, I just want to let everyone know, William and I both, as you mentioned, we love this topic because it is absolutely fascinating. We've both done lots of reading on this. And again, just being aware of them and being talked about them on numerous times may help you. So the first one, this is one that's probably this bias is probably one of the most influential in us making bad decisions. And let, let's, let's, let's talk about it for a minute. Everyone generally has a different political view. You know, maybe you're a little right of center, maybe you're a little left. And let's say you're a little right of center and you see uh, articles in, uh, in the media. Well, you're going to see an article on uh, some writer that you've agreed with in the past, and you're going to see another article on some writer who's maybe on the left side that you don't agree with. Which one are you going to read? You're going to agree the one, the one that agrees with you, that confirms what you feel is right. You're going to avoid, you're going to say, oh, that, what does that guy know? Or what does that person know? They're dumbbells, whatever. And that's confirmation bias. It's the same thing. Maybe you believe in climate change. Maybe you don't. You'll tend to read the articles on people that confirm your bias. Yeah, we, we, we don't bad- like to be wrong. So we just naturally gravitate to people who have already held beliefs and then ignore facts or data that, that contradicts us. Now, for example, some people in investing, some people just don't like RSPs. They say things like, oh, I don't like RSPs because you pay tax on them when you draw income during retirement. And I could probably show them mathematically, and as far as I know, math doesn't lie, that you're better on an after-tax basis in the great, great, in the majority of cases. And even if I'm able to show that to someone, they're still going to say, I don't like RSPs and they won't buy them. 
perfect example of confirmation bias. You like real estate investing versus stock investing or whatever it is, you'll tend to use confirmation bias. And that's great. If you look at how a scientist is taught to think and how actually how you make great decisions, how you make a great decision is understanding alternative and opposing viewpoints. This is key in business and everywhere. Scientists are taught that when they develop a theory, instead of finding ways to support their theory, they actually actively look to try to find holes. They'll go to other scientists and say, here's my theory, what's wrong with it? And this is good leadership. Whether That's exactly, Paul, what Charles Darwin did. He was yes. very passionate about that. He always said, or this is what he did in his science, he said if he had a theory, he actively worked to try and find some yes. evidence to prove himself wrong. And Perfect. that's a yeah. good thing to try and do in investing all facets of, facets of life. It's very hard to do because, again, that's the exact opposite of what we're naturally inclined to do. But but try and be like Charles Darwin. That's a little hard, though. Yeah. One other thing before we go on to the next one. This is a, a I forget what this is called. It's a it's an old Japanese way of thinking. And if you come up with an idea, ask yourself what makes you feel that's true. Now, when you answer that, you ask yourself the same question again. What makes me feel that's true? And you ask you that, yourself that question five times about your answer. And if you can answer it five times, it's probably a pretty good idea. But what happens more often than not, you stumble. You'll come to one idea that say, well, I don't know why that's true. And uh, so that's a good way to check yourself. So let's go on to the next one here. We spent enough on confirmation bias. What's the next one you got there, William? So the next one is herd mentality. And that refers to investors' tendency to follow and copy what other people are doing. People who make decisions under the herd mentality bias, they're largely guided by instinct and just a desire to conform to what other people are doing rather than their own independent analysis. And again, like all these biases, these are all natural to humans. We all, whether we think about it or not, we just want to conform and feel a sense of belonging with other people another uh, word for this has been called groupthink. yeah look at it this way you read in the media and you say everyone is investing in this sector everyone is investing oh maybe i should be investing there and or that's a common oh, cause of asset bubbles we saw it in the 90s for example with that big technology boom and in the last couple of years we saw it with cryptocurrency where in the end, many people who ended up investing in cryptocurrencies didn't do that. Uh, they didn't know or understand what they were investing in. They just saw a big group of people. It seemed like, oh, everyone else is doing it. They're all making money. So I'll just do it again. I don't even really know what I'm buying, but everyone else is doing it. So I don't want to miss out. They were bombarded with commercials like matt damon saying fortune favors the brave and all that it was everywhere in society so just people were naturally inclined again to just join the crowd yeah now this relates to non-investment things too and companies play on this have you ever seen a company say this is the best selling or this is the most popular that's playing on herd mentality they're saying oh this is the best selling uh i don't know bar of soap or whatever it is Oh, I should probably buy it too, because if all these people it's are best selling, 
uh, it must be the best. By the way, relating it to uh, something also, RRSPs that most of us love, they're, they're great for most of us. RRSPs were first introduced in 1957 and they were only available initially through life insurance companies. Not a lot of people bought them. All of a sudden, in the late 60s, I don't remember the exact year, the big banks were allowed to, to sell them. And all of a sudden, when the big banks were allowed to sell them, people said, oh, if the big banks are selling them, they must be good. And the use of RSPs at that time exploded. So again, it's groupthink or herd mentality, the exact same thing. Again, that could... As and professional money managers have been scientifically proven, Paul, to also fall victim to this. Again, no one's safe from these biases. There is one study called Thy Neighbor's Portfolio. I think it was in 2006. It found that mutual fund managers were more likely to buy or sell a stock if other managers in that same city were also buying or selling that stock. So, so again, we're, we're all guilty of it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Next one, that's the second bias we want to talk about. The third one is something called recency bias. And let's, let's put this together. Let's say the market is down. And we've been going through this recently. Obviously, 22 was a rotten year. And people now, and we have some of our client base, are saying, oh, the market's been down. I don't want to invest. Uh, I'm going to wait till things get better. Um, because the most recent history we have is that markets are down. Now, of course, the exact opposite can happen. You can have a bull year like before, and when markets are up and, and the, the you listen to the media, and the media has all good news, markets are up and so forth, people are making money. Um, that's what you remember in your mind, rather than looking at the big picture. Now, great investors, the great the Buffets of the world, tend to think very differently. And his uh, analogy he uses, what is uh, when people are greedy, uh, uh, what is it? See, I forget my mind. William, you know it. Help me out here. Uh, when people are greedy, uh, get defensive. When people are defensive, get greedy. I'm not using the right words, but you get the gist of that. So great investors think the opposite. Now, just to give you an example, in 2019, Financial services was one of the best performing sectors in the S&P 500. Annually returned that sector 32%. So what happened, people plow their money into the financial services sector. And the next year, it was one of the worst performing sectors. You could even look at this in terms of recently. For example, in February, March of 2020, which was when the pandemic started, for those of you who remember, but three years ago, the S&P dropped 19.9% in two months. In March and April, $1 trillion flowed out of equities into money market funds. And during those same two months of April and May, the S&P went up 17.8%. So people look what happened yesterday, feel it's going to continue forever and make lousy decisions that often cost them money. And by the way, it's interesting. This tends to be more younger people tend to have more recency bias than baby boomers. There's, I'm just looking at a, a statistic here. Baby boomers have significantly less, although they still have a lot of, of recency bias. And maybe that's because as we get older, and William, you'll understand this, when you get older, actually you do, you're a smart guy. As you get older, you realize how much you don't know. 
And when you're younger, you tend to be a little bit more brash and you're a little bit more overconfident. Anyway, I just thought well, that I was think that, That's a perfect segue, actually, Paul, to, to the next bias, which is overconfidence bias. Yeah. Um, and that refers to a tendency for people to have an exaggerated sense of their own abilities. And there's a study done. Of course, we all feel we're above average, we're, we're better than everyone else. There was a study done that pulled drivers and it pulled their own assessment of their driving ability. Yeah. yeah. 80% of uh, respondents felt that they were above average drivers, which obviously mm-hmm. can't be true. Not possible. Not possible. So in terms of investing, like even though there's tons of evidence out there showing most people cannot beat um, an index when they're actively picking stocks or short-term trading does not work. Most of them, the great majority of them lose money doing it. That does not preclude people from trying to do it because they think they're, they're the exception to the rule. They can do what other people can't. I know better. Exactly. And overconfidence bias also can snowball on itself because one successful investment, whether it's, it's usually because of luck, but one successful investment can lead someone to think, oh, I can do it again and lead them to this take is greater, greater risks. Um, I have a very, uh, well, go on. I just want to sell something about my friend who you know. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, like this happened a lot during the post-pandemic stock market because seemingly, you know, it was a really hot market. Everything was going up. So people who were investing all of them were making money seemingly. And and again, they thought, oh, even though everything was going up, so most of it was just the market, not their own natural abilities, but they felt they're really good traders and and all and great investors. I, I got to tell a story about a all friend right, of mine that you know, and my age, of course. And he told me when he was young, just a smart guy, but he did very, very well for himself in life did extremely well and he told me he says paul you know we're on the golf course one day we're just walking like we're talking about businesses paul you know what one of the worst things that happened to me when i first got out of university is that i made money on a stock and he told me he bought ibm back and this was in the oh probably the late 70s early 80s i made money i made lots of, i made, i doubled it and whatever and he says oh boy this is so easy and then he said then i realized it's not easy. He says, I've lost so much money since then. Again, he's done very well. But that's a perfect example of overconfidence. You let one uh, decision, which you may have gotten lucky on, to think that, hey, this is pretty darn easy. This is an extreme example, Paul, but I don't know if you saw this, but last week, the Wall yeah. Street Journal uh, profiled mm-hmm. 25-year-old in the States, and he was an amateur trader who, like, again, like a lot of people, began trading in the pandemic. And he made a bunch of complicated and risky trades. He was using options and leverage, meaning he to amplify his position, he borrowed money from his brokerage to, to fund some of his trades. And after a while, he amassed $1.5 million in his investment portfolio. Now, as the bull market ended, his trades unraveled. He lost money. And by the way, he in during this time, he dropped out of school, this gentleman, so he could trade full time. And he was showing off all his trades on, on TikTok and everything like that. Now his million and a half dollars is gone. 
And unfortunately, he's he's basically got $6 in his checking account, some credit card debt, and he's not trading anymore. He's working in a deli, actually, out, outside of Las Vegas. I read that this morning. I read that. Yeah. And th this is an exact quote from him. He says, I felt like I was indestructible. It was irrational. So that's just a good example of overconfidence leading to some bad decisions. Yeah, I mean, statistically, by the way, just for interest, day traders, statistically, over the long run, 2%, is that my statistic, 2% earn money, another 7 8% break even, and the rest lose money. So, and again, and what you just said about overconfidence has a big, big deal for that. Big, big deal to do with it. Now, the last bias we want to chat about, again, there's hundreds more, but these are five that William and I thought, you know, made most sense. Hindsight bias. And it makes kind of past events seem more predictable than they, than they really were. And any of you that has listened to me or read my blogs know that the definition of things that happen in history are things that have happened are completely unpredictable, unexpected events. I mean, no one expected the pandemic. No one thought interest rates would go up to 7%. No one, oh, this was great, by the way, the financial crisis of 2008. I'm not quite sure how many times I've heard people say, oh, you know what, the financial crisis, yeah, it was obvious that was going to happen. Really, if it was so obvious that it was going to happen, how come virtually every money manager, every pension manager, every person on earth, almost wasn't aware of it. Just watch, watch or read back. the big short if you're interested more on that. There was a small, very, very small group of people who did predict it, and pretty much the entire investment community was laughing at them until it actually happened. Yeah, and of course, hindsight bias can lead to overconfidence in the future. Uh, I've had people tell me, Oh, Paul, I, I can. I have all the, the models together. I know when the market's going to go up and down. I've had actually clients tell me this, and I don't reply to it because I know that's not going to work. But hindsight bias can certainly lead to, lead to overconfidence, like what we've talked about before. It can lead to taking unnecessary risks, like that person, the, the day trader, putting too much of your eggs in one basket. And by the way, outside of investing, it could mean you invest too much time of yourself into a bad relationship <laughs> something that you know isn't going to work out but you keep hoping uh, because of hindsight bias so that is that's a lot of what we want to talk today again i william and i we'd love to talk for days about these biases and it's just good to know about them and i know uh chatted a little bit before we recorded this with william and says you know what i've even gone we've both been to a situation where we're trying to make a decision and we know, for example, we are expressing uh, overconfidence or a bias, but we make the decision anyway. And it's, but knowing some of these can help you hopefully move forward. So that's probably a good time to close things up. Our next retirement straight talk with Paul and William. We're getting into tax season. It's everyone's favorite time of year. We're going to talk tax planning. Again, this is another subject that we could probably take two or three podcasts on. We'll see what we get. want to talk about the right way and the wrong way to do tax planning. And by the way, if there's any topics you'd like us to talk about, you can just send us an email at info at westendwealth.com, info at westendwealth.com. Or if you'd just like to start a conversation with us about some concerns or issues you have, again, info at westendwealth.com. 
com. Make sure that you rate and subscribe to this podcast, assuming you like it. And again, we'll we'll see everyone next time. Uh, we're going to talk about tax planning. Sounds like fun. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye now. This podcast was brought to you by West End Wealth Planning, an award-winning wealth planning practice catering to small and medium-sized business owners and to those looking to create a worry-free retirement for themselves and their families. To learn more, go to westendwealth.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and subscribe to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.